Hello, and welcome to the Bourbon Hunters podcast. We have a little bit of a change of pace this week. We were going to announce our winners for the giveaway, but Tyler had a run-in with a golf cart. So we will be doing it on the episode next week, reading off your fabulous reviews to Tyler and choosing which one to give the giveaway to. Uh, So that means you have one more week to get those reviews in. Give us a five-star review and make fun of Tyler in the review, and you will be entered into the giveaway. Welcome to another episode of the Bourbon Hunters Podcast. Today we have Jason Erickson from Eastside Distilling out of Portland, Oregon. They were nice enough to send us four samples of their whiskey and we will be tasting those as we talk with Jason today. But before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about our sponsor, Unicorn Nation Apparel. Magical apparel for magical people. Go to their website at www.unicornnationapparel.com or check out the link in our bio for some awesome Bourbon Hunters exclusive bourbon shirts provided by Unicorn Nation Apparel. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us on our hunt for great bourbon. Reward yourself and sit back, grab a pour, kick up your feet, and enjoy. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Bourbon Hunters. We are uh, with Jason Erickson from uh, East Side Distilling. I am Dude Pool. I'm joined by Brett Bryan. And uh, so let's go ahead and jump into this, uh, Jason. So uh, East Side Distilling. Uh, I know I, I did a little bit of a uh, look online and uh, found that uh, you guys. I thought pretty cool uh, thing that you guys are the only uh, what is it publicly traded uh, uh, craft distillery. Is that right? That's my understanding, yes. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. So tell us a little bit about uh, Eastside Distilling. So we started in 2008, and the company was originally called Deco Distilling. Then uh, it got changed to Eastside because of, you know, reasons that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, so I joined the company in 2014 just as they were starting to uh, move out of their original tasting room put, uh, production area and into a new building. So uh, as a lot of uh, driving things back and forth in a Ford F-150, which is <laughs> Lots it's, of fun. It's not fun loading one, loading one of those uh, full of uh, nine liter booze cases. <laughs> <laughs> I just see like a truck squatting to the ground full of booze. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, yeah, that's there, the whole reason there was definitely the a, there was definitely a limit uh, that we could put in there. But uh, <laughs> I think, we, yeah, we managed to fit like a, a pallet of booze, which is like seventy five cases, oh, seventy five wow. nine liter cases in there. And but it was, uh, yeah, we had to drive slow. Unfortunately, we didn't have to drive far. Well, that's <laughs> so good. It was nice getting you know getting everything back under under one roof. So, there, so yeah. you did you expand into a larger operation then is that basically the move or was it just uh was there a specific reason that you moved at that point yeah we were looking at uh building out a new a new distillery in a new place as 
pretty cool building over the like uh basically a, a whole city block and uh yeah that kind of didn't work out because the owners didn't really like what we were doing um <laughs> i guess or uh, it's not that they just they i guess it would be more accurate to say they didn't understand what we were doing and also you know um uh I guess people are nervous about distilleries for some reason. I have no idea why. <laughs> Fires, maybe, I guess. I oh, yeah. There's <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Louisville, I think, has had a couple of those, right? And then uh, yeah. they had the big fire. Heaven and, Hill uh, had that yeah, big one. Yeah. That was crazy. So, uh, all right. So, 2008. Um, when did they become uh, public, or when did you become, I guess, a public, uh, publicly traded uh, company? I think that was about around the time that I started. It was uh, like 2013, 2014. Um, and then it was like kind of like a penny stock for a while. And yeah. then I think it was like 2017 is when we got listed on the NASDAQ. So that was a huge deal for us. Oh, That's wow. a huge accomplishment. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, that is cool. Um, so, all right. So uh, I guess let's just talk about what we've got in front of us here. And then we'll we'll do a little bit of nosing on the first one. And then we'll jump a little bit further into, uh, you know, uh, uh, east side and then some of the history uh so first one we have here we've got um this is burnside oregon oaked bourbon right correct yeah and uh so tell us a little bit about this one you guys familiar with oregon oak at all have uh, you had any words with that not i don't think i mean i feel like someone talked to us about oak from oregon and i Maybe I'm crazy. I, I, well, I know they, Woodenville is using what oak in Washington, right? So that maybe that's what I'm getting confused with yeah, because that, so, we were getting some like apple from that from like the apple, apple orchard. orchards that were nearby. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think we've dealt with any uh, specific Oregon oak. I don't think. Right. So yeah. So there's really only like one cooperage that works with it. Uh, it's Oregon Barrel Works in McMinnville, Oregon. Okay. And uh, it's considered to be fairly difficult to cooper. And actually presents like a really strong flavor, flavor profile compared to like American white oak or French oak. Okay. But it does have like kind of a similar flavor profile to French oak. If you're familiar with. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. With those. So definitely more of a uh, uh, French oak presence in whiskey than Oregon oak or, or the one only places that, that uses it. And yeah, I think, took me a while to really identify that flavor that comes across but um it has a great nose i'm smelling it right now yeah i've been smelling it since we started actually just kind of going off and on just to get my nose calibrated if you will (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i definitely get uh there, there's an oaky property for sure um but on top of that I'm, i'm getting it's almost like a it's like a mellow sweetness and there's nothing that really, you know, smacks you in the face with the with the nose, which is not a bad thing. It's pleasant. Um, so, what what is the age on this particular bur- bourbon? I think call that a four year. Four year. It's a blend. So yeah. So the be, young or yeah. the youngest thing is a uh, is a four. Right. Okay. Um, so talk talk to us about your your process like uh i don't know if your mash bill is you know secret or not but uh talk to us about your mash bill and, and like the process of your uh, distilling like whether it's sour mash or, or whatever oh we, we source most of our whiskeys okay so uh now is that come from go ahead uh it's compl- yeah place just distillers back east that uh that we find and then we 
our process is we make a blend and then we rest it in the Oregon oak. And okay. That's okay. our that's our hook. Yeah, no, that's cool. No, that's all right. I mean, to be honest, I think uh <laughs> if everyone knew how much MGP actually had a hand in other people's uh, bourbon, I think uh and I think <laughs> right. it's starting to come out. A lot more people were adding transparency to their to their bourbon, and I think, you know, what 5 years ago it might have been a little bit of a uh I guess like not talked about, you know well, what I mean? Well, I mean, and just kind of looked down upon, yeah. I guess. But now people are like, oh, well, I guess it's not that big a deal. I mean, who cares? And and again, if you have your own hook, like the the Oregon Oak and, yeah, you and different things like that. putting your own twist on it and yeah. stuff and everything. Right. So are you uh, are you drinking at all this evening or are you uh, just talking us through it? No, I generally don't drink during the week because I no commute by bicycle and I find that if I drink during the week, it really affects my <laughs> my travel times. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, don't the same laws apply to operating yes. a bicycle as they do a, a, a car? So, like, well, yeah, even if I have, like, a drink at night, like, it, my morning ride, like, if I'm not, even if I didn't get drunk, like, my morning ride just seems to suffer, so. Oh, like, interesting. Okay. So, like, I'd rather bike fast than. <laughs> Good for you and your zero carbon footprint. Well, <laughs> Trying my best. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he, there's still a carbon footprint there. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Actually, so more, more it's, it's just like a lot cheaper than. Yeah, yeah, car. for sure. All right, let's dive into this here. So, so I definitely get some oakiness. Oh wow! Yeah. On that, um, it's very pleasant. And I don't know if that's. I don't know Stealing enough about the. Word. I know. Sorry. I don't know if it's. I don't know enough about the Oregon oak process, but I don't know if that's what's making this stand out so much. Um, with the very like mellow oaky, and yeah. I'm really surprised it's only four years. That's what I was going to say. For as much oak as I'm yeah. getting out of it, and it's not an overbearing oak either. It's Mm-mm. a, it's like it's a pleasant oak. It's very pleasant oak. <laughs> That's the word of the day, apparently. <laughs> uh, no, I, I like this actually. This is um, yeah, like you said, for it only being four years old, um, I wouldn't have guessed that at all. So, is it a mixture of uh, of mash mash bills in the blend then, and if so, are you going more for I'm assuming more of a rye base since you have the rye as well, but uh, do you have any weeded type components to this or is it all a uh, rye base type uh, uh, whiskey blends? No, this is pretty much like it's, you know, mostly bourbon, but there is a rye component in, it's in secondary grain. Most of the mash bills. Okay. Um, and I believe we have one in there that's like a malt. Uh, got a little bit of malt in it. But yeah, it's just, it's, uh, I can one of them is just a, a straight bourbon. That's in there. That's usually about twelve years old. So there's okay. Oh wow. There's a there's a range of stuff in there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the good blends will. I mean, and, and you even look at uh, like Woodford when they did that very fine, very rare, or whatever mm-hmm. it was. They had the seventeen year old, but they also added in younger stuff to still give it some you know noticeable fruity stuff you know to it. So it wasn't probably uh, overbearing on the on the wood. Um, I I can't place what I'm getting on this, but I it is a good flavor. I do. There is some complexity there, and I'm just not able to pinpoint. I, if you've never listened to our show, he's got the big schnoz over here, <laughs> and uh, so he usually picks up the uh, the the nosing notes a lot better than the rest of us. And uh, I generally, there's something sweet on the nose. Yeah, it's sweet on the nose. It's sweet on the tongue. I can't tell exactly what it is. It's not really. It might be a sweet fruit I'm getting on the nose. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's not necessarily sure a dark fruit, but it's uh it's uh hmm. Yeah, the organum tends to add like a a dessert quality, so like a I could see that like for a fruit sure. compote or a compote. I like that. Ooh. Yeah. 
I, and I just can't pinpoint any any uh, particular notes on this as far as the what it is I'm getting on the fruit. But but yeah, I agree. It's it's a little bit of a lighter fruit um, with a with a nice oaky presence, which is it's a really good combo actually. But it's not an overbearing oak at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's I agree. I mean that's what I mean. It's a good combination. Yeah. It's um, you know I've definitely had some bourbons that are too oaky and. The oak is definitely present, and that's that's really nice. It's a really nice um, presence is, of that oak. It's what a ninety-two proof, I believe. Yeah, ninety-two right. proof. Yeah, I this is I like this. I do too. This I is like, actually something find, I could go ahead. We we find that like uh, some people can be uh, a little overwhelmed by the oak characteristic. No, not to I me. This isn't overwhelming. Yeah, to not me. to me. I've had some really oaky stuff, and I, this doesn't come off that way. I mean, so for me, the way I see this is something I could drink like right now here in Ohio. It's ninety degrees tomorrow. It's eighty-eight today, I think. And yeah, I could see sitting outside drinking this. This is a crisp, um, you know, easy sipper. And uh, you know, the proof is ninety-two, so that's it's not going to be overwhelming in the alcohol side. Um, the hug is gentle. It's not, uh, it's not, it's definitely there. There's a little ethanol hug, but it's not, um, but it's not overwhelming and it's not long and it's something I could still enjoy on a hot day. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean. Like, you know how sometimes the rye kind of warm you up really well because of the rye spice and the alcohol. Yeah, It's not that peppery rye at all. I'm getting a nice, you know, mellow finish. It's, uh, it's not overbearing. It's just a nice, crisp, clean, uh, mouthfeel. Uh, this is something I could drink on a on a hot summer day, which is actually what it is here today. So, uh, so this is nice. I like this. And as dumb as it yeah. sounds, I like the blue on the bottle. I don't know what it <laughs> is. It's so funny. I sent them a when I received the bottles. I sent uh, Brett and Tyler, who can't be here tonight, uh, a picture of the bottles, and that was the first thing Brett said. He's like, "Ooh, I like that blue on the bottle." I don't know why. It just, <laughs> it just catches my eye. You and my wife are are complete <laughs> marketing whores. Like you guys, if it has a nice label, you buy it. You think it's great. My wife, when we used to drink wine, she would always buy the bottle based on what the, the label yeah. looked like. Hey, man, I judge a book by its cover. I've said it before. I'll say it again. <laughs> it's so funny, though. Like, you you two both are the same when it comes to that. Um, so, no. Okay, so the, go ahead. The yeah. color actually comes from the bridge that the booze is named after, the Burnside Bridge here in Portland. See, so I love fun. little stories like that. Yep. I do. Yeah. That makes me like it even more. No, that's really cool. Um I like that. That that is a good blue. And so you have I've so Portland is a city I've never been to. I've been to pretty much every state in the country and I've been to a lot of big cities. I've never been to Portland. Have you been a, to Oregon or just not? In- I've been through Oregon. Okay. I've never been Fair like, enough. to Oregon technically. All right, so you said we should go to the rye, the red labeled rye first? Correct. All right, so while he's pouring this, um, because I have him waiting on me today. Um, tell us about your history, I guess. Tell us how you ended up at uh, Eastside and then, you know, your, I guess, uh, progress up to uh, head distiller now. And so that's been more of a recent thing, right? You just became that in the last, what, two years? I just became head distiller in January. Was it January? Okay. Oh, nice. Okay. I was looking through the press releases, which is, you know, yeah. you're going to see when it's a public company. <laughs> right. um, so I was looking through those and I saw it was recent. I thought for some reason I was thinking 2019, but okay. So it was January of this year. Okay. So tell us about that, uh, how you ended up at Eastside, your history, and then also, uh, you know, leading up to becoming the uh, head distiller. Yeah. So uh, one of my previous jobs was working at uh, Fujifilm North America, developing film. Oh wow! And started that in 2001, 
And as you might know, that sort of business was <laughs> on, on a rapid decline throughout the I'm sure just like vinyl 2000s. records, it'll, it'll come back here in like 10 years. It'll be a... Oh, Polaroids I, I, are making a comeback. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I've, I've never stopped with films. So yeah, well, <laughs> it's one you, of my hobbies. you're black and white, you know, like true photographers and true artists. I'm, I'm sure they still, you know, dark rooms, things like that. I'm sure that's still a thing. Yeah, my bathroom setup is a dark room. So. Oh, no, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's real cool. If I remember, film has better spatial resolution than digital stuff. Well, so, uh, and there's a, we can get into a whole show just right. on the difference yeah. between digital and analog, but like, yeah. I, mean, I will happily talk with them. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, so. I work in imaging, so. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, he's a radiology nurse, right? MR, yeah, MRI technologist yeah. is what I do, but we do, and we used to do, I used to do x-rays and stuff, but there's a lot with that, with like digital, you know, like, um, versus, um, traditional film and spatial resolutions and all these different right. things and. Um, you know, I used to work in old school dark rooms and all that junk too, processing films. So, so I'm derailing. Sorry. No, but <laughs> if we give Brett a chance to nerd out, it's it's oh, actually dude, kind of fun I'll to nerd watch. Out, so, for real. Oh, I'm ready to get. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you, you've probably never listened to any of our episodes, and that's fine. But but we segue <laughs> nonstop, so that it's that's perfectly right. fine. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Food yeah. So fun. I was working at this job, and you know, watching. It was the kind of place where you go to like a Kroger and you drop off your film overnight. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd be shipped to us and then we process it. So a lot of it, you know, working in a dark room uh, for years on end and cutting your hands on film. That, that was a lot, always a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, uh, went back to college and got my degree. Uh, just, I'm an English major, so <laughs> kind of wasted my degree, but you know. Just doing something that I loved because most employers just want a four-year degree. They don't really care what yeah, it's in. They don't care what it is, yeah. And I love to read books. So uh, I was doing that full-time, working graveyard and going to school full-time. And I was like, you know what? I'm not busy enough, so I'm going to start brewing beer. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then I got uh, you know, heavy into brewing beer. And then I was like, I want to get a job. You know, because film's dying, I'm probably not going to have a job much longer, and just want to like get into brewing beer in Portland's, you know, the city for it. So that reminds me a little bit of uh, we talked to it was uh, was it Rick Molitor of uh, New Basin Distillery? Oh yeah, and he was a I and that's out there somewhere too. That might even be in Oregon actually. Yeah, that is in okay. Okay, and uh, he used to be a principal. I believe, if I remember. That's right. right. Yes, he was a principal. And then they did the, what was it, the retirement? Like, you love those little yeah. names. So they did like a retirement uh, batch or something like that, which is was from his retirement as a principal, I think. Um, but yeah, he was, he w- that's a, an interesting story because he yeah. got into distilling as well. And there was really no background in that for him as well he, he, because he was a principal. And I, he might have even done chemistry or something like that in school, but. Um, no, but that's cool. I like, we love that kind of stuff. Like <laughs> people's path, like it's never, I mean, there, there are the people that go to school for chemical engineering. They be, they go out immediately, start working in a, um, like, uh, Greg Metz. Greg Metz. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. they, you know, go immediately into a distillery and then that becomes their career and that's fine. Right. But I think more interesting are stories like this where, you know, you're doing something, you go back to school. Uh, English major, you know, so, so keep, keep going. Sorry. I know I interrupted, but I, I so love I, these type of stories. I left the film processing job and just like, I got, yeah, just after almost 10 years of that, I just had to leave. And, uh, my next job that I found was like, cause like breaking into the brewing industry, like back around 2010 was not the easiest thing to do. Sure. Uh, 
Uh, some craft beer was starting to explode. I feel like, you know what I mean? Like early two yeah, thousands. So yeah. Everybody was trying to get into it. Sure. So jobs were really com- competitive. So I got a job at an aseptic, aseptic food processing plant running Tetra pack, uh, fillers. So if you, you know, go get a jug of like almond milk or something like that, that's Tetra pack. So I was running machines that, that filled those huh. and we were making tofu and, uh, almond milk there and worked there for two and a half years and just got my, I was like, this is probably a good experience for working, you know, in a brewing industry where, you know, you want good sanitation practices. Right. And this Packaging is like, and sure. Yeah, this is like a commercially sterile product, so it's going to be like way overkill for any beer that <laughs> you possibly make. So, uh, learned a lot about that process, like ultra high temperature uh, processing. Um, learned pretty much to like if 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 you drink almond milk, make your own almond milk. It's really easy. Just I've heard that actually. <laughs> yeah, it's just like smashed up almonds in water. Because I'm like, how yeah. do you milk an almond? Like. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, we just like we just got like an all-in paste, and then we combined it with water, and then a bunch of chemicals to make it, you know, feel like milk. And (laughs) that's that's what I like to hear—a bunch of chemicals to make it feel like. To be honest, and and not to knock any of that process because I'm sure it's fine, but like, you know, when you actually find out what almond milk really is, yeah, you know, like you said, it chemicals to make it feel like milk, right? I mean. It's nothing like super dangerous or anything no, like that. Sure. You know, it, it's it's some of the same stuff carrageenan that use in like these that in brewing sometimes uh, for clarity. And but um, it's 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 just the the amount of processing that it goes through. It's right. just always better to you know make your own stuff, just milk your own almonds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and don't subject it to like ultra high temperatures to basically you know make it safe for consumption. Right. But, or it's not really safe for consumption. It's it's uh, a long shelf life is what you're going after that sort of process. So, so that's what the high temperature does is that that's the, gives it a longer yeah. shelf life. So it makes it sterile and, uh, or reduces the, the microbial load down Bacteria. to a certain point where yeah. it won't grow back within a certain amount of time. And then so. you seal it. Right. And then that, uh, yeah. same with when you do like canning probably and bottling. Yeah. yeah so all the air out, make a vacuum. Interesting. Yeah, so that yeah. my mom does that all the time. She makes she has a huge garden in her backyard. She makes takes peppers, all that stuff, makes salsa. That's fun. I've done that before. And then you know it's good until the lid pops. Yeah. yeah Where's Tyler like, when we need him to make that stupid sound? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh shoot. Anyway. All right. Yeah, so. that's basically the same process that we were just doing on an industrial scale. So it's it's the same thing as home canning. You're you're heat treating it and uh, you know, just reducing the microbial uh, activity down to a certain point. All right. So while you've this been talking, smells really good. I know that's what I was getting ready to say. So I want you to start talking about this red labeled rye here. So so introduce us to this rye. Any history or anything that uh, or any marketing spiel or anything like that that you want to. But then also just kind of tell us what it is we're we're smelling here. This it smells good, but I I have no idea what it is. Like this this is an interesting and and full disclosure here transparency. We're not huge rye guys. Um, I like. I guess I. All the ryes I've had on the show, I've really enjoyed. So maybe yeah. I am a rye guy. I've just <laughs> I tell myself I'm not a rye guy, and then I keep enjoying the ryes that I have. But 
so I so rye nosing rye tasting rye. I'm not I'm not super. Um, this is very pleasant though on the nose. There you go with you. Steal my damn word again. Sorry, uh, it's very enjoyable on so, the nose. <laughs> so Jason, go ahead and tell us uh, anything about this uh, rye that you want to hear. Yeah. So this particular blend is a, it's a blend of five different sourced ryes again. Okay. And then uh, th- this is also rested in Oregon oak. And uh, basically, this is my first blend I did as a as head distiller. So oh wow! It's okay, the one that's like all my own. Uh, so the one I'm most proud of. It's <laughs> <laughs> your baby. It's your first. Yeah, blend. It, it won gold at San Francisco Spirits Competition. Oh, that's cool. awesome! So Congratulations! That, that was a uh, yeah. That's really great for me. <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, you say a blend of five different rise. Mm-hmm. And, and how old, like, what's the age statement, if you have to, uh, from the from the youngest? It's 2 to 8, two to eight years in there, so 2 is the minimum. Okay. But All right. there's uh, up to 8 years. Sure. And rise and, tend to age a little faster anyway, right? So, oh, that's so sweet. That's such a, I mean, you talked about that bourbon almost being like a dessert. Um, this smells like it's going to be a dessert. I really like this rye. Have you tasted I it? Just, I just took a sip. Damn I'm sorry. I'm going to start calling <laughs> This Tyler. is... I get like, so I really love like buttery flavors. I get this like buttery sweetness. And I think that's what I'm smelling was the sweetness. Almost like this caramely, I don't know, but I get a, a sweet, like I'm not used to getting a sweetness out of a rye like this. Yeah. And I, it's got a nice mouthfeel to it. Um, it's not overly peppery or anything. No, um, no. It almost tastes like a bourbon that just has like a high rye mash bill. But this is, I really like this. Yeah, and it's got a good oily. Um, That's that like buttery vis- tongue viscous, coating. Yeah, yeah, it's got a good viscosity. Viscosity. <laughs> so I have a DRL question for you, and you don't have to answer it if you don't want. But when you were like doing the photo thing. What was the weirdest photo you ever oh, developed? Yeah. Nice. And and I don't I don't want like nudie like that's what no I don't want to hear that. But like a guy in a chicken costume like holding a pig <laughs> or something like that, or, or like Seinfeld where uh, you oh know, like Costanza, uh, Costanza on that. <laughs> Well, f- fortunately, like I just dealt with the negatives, so like oh. I wasn't really looking at that sort of stuff. But there would be the occasional like uh, police crime scene photos that would come through, and oh. I would make a point not to look at those. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would definitely because uh, yeah, I heard about uh, somebody in another lab that saw some you know crime scene stuff and and uh, or criminal activity related. Don't want to go too far into it, but yeah, uh, yeah. Basically, basically had to have counseling as a result of it. Oh my god, so, that's awful! Wow, yeah, that's crazy. But, I mean, I could imagine, like, if it's something horrible, I, it yeah. could easily be something that you just keep seeing in your head over and over, and you can't unsee or whatever you want to call it. It's it's funny yeah. though. I, I think of a uh, one hour photo with Robin Williams, and I think it's also mm-hmm. Final Cut with Robin Williams as well, where I feel like you know. Um, the people that developed film, you know, almost were given this um, glimpse into people's lives. You know, I almost right. feel yeah, like, like a it, preview into their. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it, like if they wanted to be a voyeur, or if they wanted to be like, you know, weird about it, they could potentially learn stuff about people that they, you know, mm-hmm. wouldn't as a as a regular citizen you wouldn't normally think. You know, you're putting this type of trust into someone when you're taking your film somewhere. You know, because they could potentially be looking at your stuff and finding out things. Yeah. And, and who knows? Shoot. Sometimes uh, when I used to do film, 
you'd have a role that was a year old sometimes that you'd take in. You don't forget what's on there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're having some fun with your girlfriend or what, who knows? But, um, but then final cut, I think it was called final cut with, uh, Robin Williams. Also, he had like this, uh, I guess it was a futuristic thing where everyone had these, uh, recorders in their, in their, uh, brain. And so when they died, you sent the recorder off to the person who made the final cut of their life okay. to show during the um, eulogy, whatever. yeah, during yeah. the the funeral or the showing or whatever. Um, so that person would basically, you know, they weren't allowed to have one of those recorders in their brain because then they'd have recorded, you know, private stuff and everything in their brain of other people's lives. Anyway, totally segueing like we always do, but yeah. that that type of thing always reminds me of that, you know. Uh, that trust factor in high school, some kids vandalized another school and then took the photos to get developed because they took pictures like idiots and they got caught. (laughs) But but that's what I mean. Like you're, you know, it was like spray painting and, you know, did you have a, um, did you have any type of responsibility? Like when you saw stuff like that, or if you saw stuff like that, that you had to report it, was there anything that, you know, they talked about? Yeah. If it's, if it's something that we can identify as uh, criminal activity, then we, We'd have to report it. Yeah. Okay. I was just, I, I assumed that had to be part of the job just to, you know, yeah. recognizing criminal stuff and then reporting it. <laughs> but again, it's like, it was mostly like automated. So yeah. unless there was an issue, that's when we saw the actual photos. But, you know, so for the most part, if you drop off your film, like not, no one's really going to look at it unless something goes wrong. And then like, you no, know, there's going to be like 10 people looking at it. So you <laughs> you're like dunking know. it in the developer and the wash and all this, like individually by hand. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah I mean, that's you probably put like, them into a computer type, um, like or a like processor. a printer or whatever. And it probably automated the role and then printed out each copy. That's interesting. I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm going against like all of my here intuition here, but I like this one better than the bourbon one. And that's surprising to me, but my tongue tells the truth. <laughs> Your tongue cannot lie. Uh, I mean, I, I enjoy it, it too. I, it's the viscosity of it. Yeah, I love the, the that like, coating. Yeah, and that's true of food too. Like, you know, that texture of food. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even, you know, uh, that can ruin a great flavor sometimes if it's a bad texture. But yeah, I, I think this has a... And I, again... Or they not, just get better with each one. <laughs> well, he, he told us the order, <laughs> so I'm assuming that's what's going to happen here. Um, don't let I me down. Don't let me down, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is, uh, this is good. It's, um, I keep going back to this and maybe there's something about this, you know, uh, this is also Oregon Oak, you say? Yeah. It's rested for 60 days in Oregon Oak. Uh-huh. And, but the, they're 100 gallon punchins. So it's not standard. It's twice the size of a, right. Those standard barrel. So ages like a little slower, but you should, you may be able to identify some common flavors between this and the, the Burnside blended. Yeah, I feel like they're definitely um, related. There's there's some That's, overlapping uh, uh, taste that I'm getting, and I, it, it's almost like that crispness that I had in the uh, in the bourbon, and like a light fruitiness. And I feel like I'm getting the same oak too. Yeah, the oak. I think it's there. present in both, and it's the same type of oak too. It, you know, now I feel like I'm. It's becoming a little more evident with each uh, drink I'm having here. That was very, very good. Like that was dangerously good. Yeah. So pour, <laughs> pour the next one, and we're going to let him continue now on to the uh, uh, into his story here. So you 
Yeah, went to school. Worst. What's that? I said, we're the worst. We keep interrupting him. Well, I mean, that's part of the show. It's part of the show. I One of my reviews even says stop interrupting people. But it's part of the... <laughs> part of the process. It's part of the process. You got to get back to the you know the whiskey every so often. I, um, I love it. I love tangents and I love all, all exactly. that stuff. Exactly. So, uh, that's perfect. That's fine. Um, so, go ahead and, and continue your story here. Your your path to Eastside and, and uh, your progress you know, within the company. Yeah, so, I'd uh, been working at this food processing plant and then I got let go from there. And then... Basically, just as my unemployment's about to run out, come across an ad on Craigslist for uh, Eastside, just as a production assistant. I was like, yeah, I'm applied, and then went in for an interview, and uh, so I met my predecessor, Mel Heim, there, and I was going to a Portland Timbers soccer game like a couple hours after the interview, so I was wearing the Portland Timbers scarf, and Mel sees this and she's like, you're hired. Just <laughs> basically on site. So that's hilarious. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, started there. Uh, that was uh, in 2014. Okay. And then what was your first position in the, uh, in the company there? So just production assistant, like labeling bottles, uh, getting into filling, running the capping machine. Okay. So, kind of so similar probably, I guess, to what you were maybe doing at the, at the previous job, at least, getting things filled and, and things like that to that point. Yeah. It's, it's surprising. Like, because like the food processing job was like so automated, mm-hmm. whereas Eastside at that point was very much hands-on, oh, okay. like just like, you know, moving bottles by hand, but you're just filling up a package with a consumable product right. and the amount of the, just like the huge amount that that translates into just other industries when you, boil it down is is pretty interesting i think yeah oh yeah i'm sure so let's talk about this uh the black label here the other ride i'm on the nose and i'll let you introduce it but on the nose i'm getting a lot more oak on this one and i, th- I think if i remember right was this the one that was a double oak dry is that yes are you getting more oak on this too yeah i get more oak on this yeah and it's not bad either on this but it's definitely uh oakier for sure but go ahead. Tell so us we, about this one here. So we rest this one in uh, organo casks that previously had bourbon in it. Okay. And then cool. we bottle it at at cast strength. All right. So this will be a little bit stronger. Uh, what's the? Uh, did you see what the? Uh, I didn't proof see a was proof on, on it. I probably didn't. Again. Probably didn't look very hard. I saw you uh, <laughs> ig- like looking at the art and all that stuff. It's. I'm sure it's on there. I think they have to put it on there. Yeah, oh, right 55. The bottom left. Yeah. Jeez. So Jeez 110 Louise, proof. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I don't so know how I looked right past Now, that. are these different uh, per batch, or are they always 55%, or or how do you do these? Uh, this will be consistent proof. Okay. Yeah, so 55 is our target. For that. All right. And so, like, I know they say cask strength, and I think the incorrect assumption is that cask strength means they just take it as is straight from and, the barrel right and put it in like maybe filtered but not proof down at all but 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 technically with cask strength you can still proof it a little bit what what's the variance on that do you know uh to be able to call it cask strength yeah like proof wise like you know if you if you want to proof it down a little bit or or whatever like how much can you proof it down to still have it be called cask strength uh it's far as i know there's no lower limit on a cast strength product it's just whatever you put it into your barrel at okay 
So a small batch. Well, but I mean, obviously, to keep a to keep it consistent, they're not all going to come out at fifty five percent alcohol. Yeah, so With the I mean, fermentation process. And well, stuff. well yeah. whatever. I mean, just and sometimes you might have a hotter summer one year and a mm-hmm. cooler summer another year, and you might get different evaporation, and and you might end up with, you know, fifty eight percent on one, fifty seven on another. That's why I was asking. I didn't know, you know, what that if there was a limit listed anywhere. You know, I know there's a lot of legal stuff when it comes to whiskey, but I just didn't know if that was. I know, like small batch means nothing, you right. know. Yeah, right. A thousand <laughs> for 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 Heaven Hill, that might be a small batch, you right. know. Yeah, for Elijah for, Craig or something, <laughs> you know. For a for a craft distillery, a hundred might be, or or twenty right. might be a well, small. That Lux batch. rose like two barrels. Remember that? Yeah, well, that Lux twelve. Yeah, the, well, they combined two barrels, I think, on that. Yeah. yeah, right. So this is yeah, this is definitely oaky. Are you going to jump into this one? Did you yeah. No, I, I waited on you. I was patient right. this time. This time. Yeah, this I like the nose. So far, I've loved the nose on all three of these. Definitely more oak on this than the last one. Um, I still don't get the heavy like rye that I get on a lot of things. That where my palate is becoming um, more adjusted to rye and liking rye more. Well, what I'll notice is what's interesting to me is the oak hits the front of my tongue. Mm-hmm. Which generally for me, it's not right on the front. It's on the back. It's, it's a finish. Yeah, yeah, and this, it's hitting it right on the front. And and again, it's not an unpleasant. I've I've had over oaked, you know, flavor. Mm-hmm. This isn't is definitely not one of them. This is good. So is that the tannins that you're getting on the front end? I it must be. I I mean, hold on. Right, I know that was. Yeah, it probably is. I mean, it's it's definitely an oak presence, and it's. That probably is what uh, what I'm getting. Um, I don't get the viscosity in this one that I got in the last no, one. No, it's it's a different mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. It's still a nice mouthfeel. It's still uh, it's not thin by any means. No, it's not. Um, and the the hug's a little bit greater on this one, probably because it is rye and it's a little bit higher proof. But it's it's still not overwhelming. It's it's uh, you know, it's interesting to me is I think most people think about rye as like a fall or a winter you know, drink because of that hug and that, um, that a, l- warm, a little bit more, yeah. you know, warming sensation. I but, get the opposite from rye. Like it, it seems very cooling to me. Yeah. And just oh. like very light. And it reminds me of like a meadow, a hayfield or something like that. Well, I mean, what I was going to say about these is I'm not, I don't disagree. Like I, I could drink these. I feel like any time of the year, like this, I keep using the word crisp and, to me, that somehow translates to a nice, refreshing flavor. And I'm getting that on all of these so far. Yeah, this is good. I, and it's just the right amount of oak. It's not crazy. Um, and it's, I do feel like I'm getting a little bit of the, that, uh, the bourbon barrel that you used. I feel like I'm getting something from that. Maybe the sweet, like there's a, a, just a touch of sweetness in there. Yeah. That might be from the bourbon barrel. Now, are you using... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, we found that that, uh, or we think that that bourbon kind of takes a little bit of the rye edge off that a lot of people. Experience. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. ask you. Is is are you using this the uh, bourbon barrels from your own uh, bourbon, or are you buying bourbon barrels that are used? No, it's from the the Burnside blend. From the Burnside blend. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to say I I feel like there's a similarity there for sure, and like a an overlap in flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're definitely right. I, I I do think that that's probably 
uh, taking the edge off of the rye for sure. Um, it's good. I I don't really know of any other people doing that off the top of my head, where they're finishing their rye in an old bourbon barrel. No, and I think um, and when, I like that when we talked to um, the guy from uh, the Roost place, um, oh, Buzzard's Roost, Buzzard's Roost. He, I think, is getting ready to start. Like he had some rye. He sent us some rye, and I yeah. think he's he was doing some second barrel finish rye yeah, like, and stuff like that. Toasted barrel rye, I think. yeah, yeah, and a couple of things like that, but. Um, I'd say he was probably the closest I would say mm-hmm. to something similar to this that I've, that I've seen anyway. And again, we're not rye experts by any means. So, um, you know, that's, that's, uh, there could just be some ignorance on our part from that perspective. But, um, yeah, I, I, this is, both of these ryes are really good. I, I could easily use these, you know, drink these neat, use these in a cocktail. They have a nice flavor that I think that would, that, that would definitely come through in a cocktail for sure. Oh yeah, um, especially that oaky. I, that's I was, what I was getting ready to yeah, say. I was saying actually, old yeah. fashioned is what I was yeah, going to say. I, I was going to say a Manhattan, but uh, yeah, I mean old fashioned uh, Manhattan, whatever. I think that flavor profile would come through really well um, in both of those. Um, yeah, I, in fact, you know, I might have to send a sample of these to Jesse, Jesse Hubbard and yeah, see if that's he. That's a good uh, idea. So one of our one of our guests, he uh, wrote a book called uh, Punk Rock and Cocktails, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he just launched in the last like couple months. It's a really cool book. It's basically breaking down um, his, I guess, influential punk rock records that he grew up with, and then he dedicated basically a cocktail that he's a he's a bartender, and he dedicated a cocktail named and uh, basically that he created the cocktail too. Yeah, 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 inspired by the band. Uh, and he made this book, and it's basically this big, you know, uh, coffee table coffee book. table book. Yeah, and it's and it's uh, it's, it's really cool. It's very yeah, well done. It, it's really well done. Um, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it really is. It's it's neat. But uh, I could see him doing something with these rise to make a drink mm-hmm. out of for sure. So my coworkers just got me a book called Tequila Mockingbird, <laughs> and it's basically the same thing. It, it's like it's using like works of literature to like kind of riff off of cocktails that's good i like that like and you're an english major so perfect yeah (laughs) right it's like a fantastic yeah yeah that's actually kind of neat that that is very similar to uh yeah the punk rock the punk rock and cocktails yeah Yeah. so so finish your story about and then we'll we'll wait a second here so that you can not be interrupted this time (laughs) to do the single malt but go ahead and uh finish your story like so you're in the production line basically at the um So, so where did the, where did you go from there? Yeah. So, uh, we moved out of that, uh, our original production location, which was just a small room behind the tasting room, original tasting room. And so I was, that was kind of the reason that I was, that I was brought on because I had experienced at the, the film lab that I worked at, I was there from when it first opened. So I saw it before, like any of the equipment went in and, uh, kind of basically helped get it going which is always a fun process opening up any new lab for sure. So having that, that knowledge of, of scaling something up uh, was what really brought them to hire me on. So having that. Uh, so when scale. they hired you, they had full intention of basically expanding their operations anyway. So that was correct. Oh, cool. Okay. Dark. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> At first, I thought it was the glass. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> but then I saw, no, that's actually the liquid. Okay. Yeah. So you yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, 
yeah, and basically just been helping the the company grow. And then what got you into the distilling side of things? I'm just kind of last man standing almost. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I saw there was a little bit of, uh, it looked like some people had moved on to, uh, you know, other positions, you know, from like CEO and stuff like that. And then there was an interim CEO and different things like that. But, um, you know, let's talk about, you say last person standing. So uh, did COVID hit you guys pretty hard, just like it hit a lot of the different distilleries? Uh, we were actually kind of fine after that all happened. So nothing really changed for us. So because um, people were at home drinking. Know, we did, <laughs> yeah, like alcohol's pretty recession proof. It's pretty seems to be. You know, <laughs> uh, it's it's most vice sort of things are tend to be recession proof. Yeah. So uh, whether that's good or bad. Well, I mean, recession causes stress, and stress causes vice, right? So I mean, yeah. it, it kind of makes <laughs> yeah. sense. Yeah, but um, yeah. So the pandemic really didn't affect us at all. It's just now. Did you guys pivot? Home. Did you guys pivot at all and do any like uh, hand sanitizer or anything like that? Like some of the other places have done. You know, that was kind of a rough decision for us. We felt that due to the lack of guidance from the FDA and the TTB on just what was allowable. Uh, it just wasn't worth it to us. Sure. And kind of saw that at the end of the year. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard about that, but uh, all the distilleries that were making hand sanitizer got hit with a, a, a fee. Yeah, we saw, I did see that actually. That's, I mean, they, they waived the fee, but it, it was uh, just that sort of, yeah, unintended consequences. Right. Of <laughs> trying to do something to, to help avoid. yeah, get the country through something and then you get smacked with a fine or a fee, I should say, not a fine. Someone once told right. me no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, it was, but it was it was the lack of guidance ultimately. And so we didn't know where we stood legally. Uh you know. No, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah and we've we've talked to different distilleries and each one of them has had a different approach to it. Um you know, we've seen the ones that did create the sanitizer. We've seen ones that chose not to. I, I, I mean, it's not a judgment on any side for me. It's, you mm-hmm. know, what makes sense. And I know there was, the one thing I will say is there was plenty of hand sanitizer to go around. So it's almost like too many people did it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, yeah. You know, there was a, a slight, I think, drop off of availability when people freaked out and started hoarding it. But you know, once everyone pivoted and, and then there was way too much. And now I even go to these distilleries and you see tons of it on the shelves that just sitting there. Just right. So you wonder how much that's actually going to, you know, just go to waste. I, I guess it's alcohol. So it probably. Yeah, it shouldn't go to. I mean, it probably has a pretty nice shelf long, life. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> but still, I mean, at <clears> the same me. time, um, no, I, I get it. it. It It's tough to make that decision, I would say, especially like you said, without yeah. guidance. Um. So That's you. That's what it boiled down to. It's like we could we couldn't find a way to you know really do it properly. So well, there's a lot of added costs in that with you know um like bottles, containers, whatever. People making labels and all of that. Right. So you. So what got you? I guess last man standing got you to that position. But what you know? What did you do? Um. I guess along the way that, that made them feel comfortable handing this position over to you? 
Uh, basically, it's like my predecessor, Melheim, uh, she's the one who kind of like took me under her wing and uh, just basically when we had slow times uh, earlier on uh, in my tenure there, uh, she would just let me experiment. So oh, that's like fun. making a gin or something like that. Yeah. And so uh, she was always really open to that and just you know encouraging me to learn more and and teaching me things and uh, so having having somebody that gives you permission is pretty much the most important thing in, oh, in sure. a job, I think. Yeah, so no, for sure. And then even giving you like that not just permission but but flexibility to you know experiment or or just you know give your own you know uh, approach to something, you know providing you with that and I guess that goes along with permission, but like, you know, just giving the, you that ability, that, that flexibility, like that yourself leeway, and, that, yeah, you know, just when someone gives you a job to do and, and kind of lets you solve it on your own, as opposed to telling you exactly how it has to be done, right? you know, I think, and then, and then, you know, telling you if you did a good job or not, that can be rewarding, I think, all in itself. Um, wow. So... I've been nosing this single malt American whiskey and it is definitely by far the strongest one on the nose that we've oh, had. Yeah. This almost like reminds it. me of like a Japanese whiskey. Um, I've not had any Japanese uh, whiskey. Maybe it's a Chinese whiskey. <clears throat> there was one that um, Mark Sun brought on uh, way back in the day. Um, we had uh, <laughs> here and I think uh, it's what Buffalo Trace just announced that they're actually going to start doing a, a an ex, it's their next experimental uh, it was a rice grain alcohol known as bayou or bi bayou or something like that b-a-i-j-u and uh english major tell us please <laughs> yeah well Not that's sure the problem with english is i don't i don't know that english <laughs> no, is uh, that consistent to where you can I think they call it by joke okay i think you're right actually now that i hear okay. that out loud but this actually has almost that same nose as that rice uh grain alcohol that's very robust like that's it, it is strong complex and i don't know what i'm smelling same i mean it's single malt american whiskey and i'm hoping you introduce this to us to a point where i it starts to make sense to me because this is this is very strong smelling so that that's actually finished in 70 year old sherry cask barrels and so i'm sorry you said 70 70 70 wow yeah wow yeah it's almost so, your age dude uh, you're an asshole. <laughs> You're not wrong. I am not far behind you. <laughs> I have no room to talk. Yeah, but I'll always be in the lead. <laughs> so go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, so that's where it gets that deep color from. And that, so I get like a dried fruit, dried fig, uh, chocolate. Oh, fig. Nose. Yeah. Dark know. fruit for sure. Yeah, the, so dried fig and chocolate. Now that you've said that. Yeah. I, I definitely see. I would have never ever said never either said one of those fig, things. Never. This is like just for those of you listening. This is a dark. It is past amber. It is almost a brown. Mm. Um, well, I thought the bottle was tinted. I did too. That's what I was saying until <laughs> until I like played around with it a little bit yeah. earlier, and I I was like, oh, that's <laughs> that's actually a clear glass. Okay. Yeah. So I I could see that. So. Um, Dried fig. That's actually a really plum? good. I would have never plum, maybe. Plum? Yeah, but I would have never ever on my own. Same. I would have never. <clears throat> I would have never came up with fig. So, like great... in my head, I'm I'm actually stuck on that rice, the rice whiskey that I had, the Chinese rice whiskey. 
Yeah, this is strong. It's, it's all, I'm almost afraid to taste this because of how strong it is. Like <laughs> how, strong, how strong it smells. What's the I'm what's the uh, ABV on this? Uh, 110 proof. Okay, so this is our highest proof so far, right? It's the same as the black. 55%. Yeah, it's another 55. Oh, is it 55 yeah. as well? Okay, all right. Math. All right, I'm going in. All right. I don't know about you guys, but I, like it took me forever to um, match wow. up my taste memory to actually being able to like say, "Oh, this smells like chocolate." You know, oh, a hundred percent dark chocolate, but there's also a lot of dark fruit. This is yeah. definitely interesting to me. Yeah, I, I don't, I do not know, and and again, I I don't just blow smoke up whatever just because you're on the show. Like, I, this is not something I could probably sit down and drink very often. Because it is very, very, to me, I don't know what the right word is because I'm not, um, it's not bad by any means, but it is very strong. Like the, the it's yeah. um, odiferous, you know, is that the right word? Like it, it's got a very strong smell that makes you think that you're going to taste one thing, then you taste it and it's got some of those characters to it, but it's not nearly... The flavor to it doesn't match exactly to the nose to where you, th- you know, I, I will say that when I first nosed it, I almost didn't want to taste it. And it's not a bad smell. It's not. It's just, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like overbearing almost. It, it is. It's just very strong. Like not strong, like alcohol strong. It's strong. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot going on in the nose. A lot of aroma. A lot. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's not bad. It's just a lot. And so it's almost overwhelming to nose it. And then when I took a drink, some of it matches up with the nose, but some of it's just like, not what I was expecting whatsoever. And I, and I, I, again, single malt American whiskey, not my forte by any means. I'm sure if I sat down with this for a week straight, I'm, I could sit there and pick out a whole bunch of stuff from this, but dark, yeah, dark chocolate for me. And then there's still, it's almost like a red grape, but it's not wine. I don't know. Maybe plum is what I'm going back to. So that's second drink. I get the rice grain China whiskey, but then it finishes up with a little bit of the sweetness, and I think I'm getting maybe. You said you said sherry? Correct. I think <clears throat> I am getting some of that on the on the finish, on the back of the tongue. It's it's slight, but it's actually kind of a nice finish. So the front of the tongue was still in my face, really, really strong. And then on the finish, I got a nice little sweetness, and it was actually not a bad little finish at the end. No, there's no like, there's no burn. It is very no, clean. not at all. Um, it's it's quick For finish. Yeah, yeah, that's actually surprising. <clears throat> so that's something that needs to be said right right off the bat. Is oh, it's, yeah, it's definitely not uh, burning by any means, and and all the strong stuff I'm saying has nothing to do with the alcohol. It's it's the nose, it's the there's a ton going on in this, a lot of complexity. And it's not bad by any means. It's just I, I don't know that my tongue <laughs> is smart enough to understand what's going on in in my mouth right now. It is very complex. I, that's it's, probably it's the best robust. way to Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's very robust. There's a lot going on. Like I've had three drinks now, and each time I've gotten a little bit different note. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna take a little bit of water in That's my a mouth good idea. right beforehand, and kind of like cleanse, cleanse your palate.
So, Jason, which one of these is your favorite? Like, which one is your go-to? I bet it's the Red Label Rye. Yeah, that's... that's uh, <laughs> it's his baby. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't mean it's his favorite. Well, I know, but you're going to have an attachment to him. Yeah. Uh, I do love the sherry, the the single malt, uh, but it's, you know, we only made, like, the that first release is one barrel. Uh, oh, wow. And so it's hard to come by. <laughs> Oh wow! Thank you for sending that to Seriously, us. Seriously, yeah, that sample bottle would have been plenty. Absolutely. <laughs> like, honestly, when I saw the four big bottles, I was like, "Wow, all right, they're not messing around." Um, uh, the the but the packaging though, I just I absolutely love the packaging on that. Oh yeah, me too. And let's be so. honest, like all four of these, I, the packaging, you guys did a great job. The labeling is good. Um, it calls your attention for different reasons on all of them. Um, to be and to be honest, I like with the exception of the name, I would never guess that these are even from the same distillery, just because different bottles, different. Um, well, I guess maybe the Burnside and the and the Double Oaked Rye are the same bottle, maybe. Um, yeah, but uh, but they all look different. Like there's and and that's not a bad thing necessarily. Um, you know, there's there's not consistency in the packaging. They all have their own like uh, identity in a sense, and their own uh, personality. Like the the just the two colors on the uh, Burnside bourbon. Yeah. You know, just two colors, very in your face, nice, crisp, clean, and then ornate on the black and and the gold one, the the double oaked rye. That's a really cool label. That's probably my favorite label, just from. It looks ornate. It looks fancy. Um, and then the east side from the from the artistic look, I just I like. And I know this has nothing to do with it, but the single malt whiskey or single malt American whiskey is it um, American Horror Story? It almost reminds oh, me of yeah. the same font and That's, look of right. American Horror Story. <laughs> um, so like, when I see that, I'm thinking like that's just the words, yeah. not the, not the label, but the words. <laughs> And the way the American, the I goes up through and separates single and malt. And the K, the way it goes yeah, off. Yeah. For, oh, I, now that I think about that, it does look like that logo. I, but <laughs> American Horror Story. As yeah. soon as I saw it, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I mean, I mean uh, but there's only so many fonts. You know what I mean? It's not, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to see some that looks similar. But, but it catches just, your eye, though. It does. Like, and, but the, but the, yeah. uh, the label as a whole, not just the font, that's what I was talking about. But the label as a whole, Banks, you better not hit any of those buttons. <laughs> My dog is sniffing around at stuff. Um, it's his kid. His kid's name is Banks. <laughs> no, it's my uh, eight-year-old chocolate lab. He's just wanting to be part of the show here for some reason. His reverse doesn't work very well. No, he is the funniest thing. He'll get into something, and then he'll back out. He can't, like... Dogs in reverse are weird. They don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he's weird in general. He just has some weird qualities to him. <laughs> like, he w he won't go... Th I think it's his nails on the hardwood upstairs, but he won't go through the kitchen in certain directions. He'll only go other ways. And I think he's, he just doesn't like hearing his nails on the hardwood. Anyway, total segue. Um, <laughs> but I love the East side label that the, on the uh, single malt American whiskey, that label is really cool. The white, the, I don't know if you want to call it green, but like, yeah, there's a green in there. It's a greenish or teal or something or something. And then the black and it just looks really um classy. You know, with those yeah, it, what are those lions? It reminds me of uh of Art Deco and just something that would be poured on a on a Pan Am clipper flight from yeah. way back in the day. Oh yeah. So, All right. Hand me that. Uh, that's bottle, what I love about it. But uh, and then the orange the uh orange rye. 
Um, turn that uh, turn that orange rye around so I can see that a little bit better. That one uh, is nice too. I I remember I liked all of these, and it's it shares a lot from the single malt American whiskey from the like the what are those like lions or something that are um, on the yeah. on the. Uh, and like a, from a crest or something like a coat yeah, of arms. Yeah, but you've got like the two. Those are on both of them. They both say east side. So from there down to the, uh, you know, to the uh, colored part of the the label, it's very very similar. Um, so those two share a decent amount in their look. And then the they've got the little black label that tells you you know how old it is and stuff like that, which. I, I, I love like, these handwritten batch number things like yeah. this. Oh yeah, that always adds a little class—not class, but like uh, personality to it. Yeah, you know, like a personal touch, if you will. But no, I think all of these are really cool labels. I, I like them. Um, they all have their own personality and their own shape. Even though the East Side Rye and the East Side Single Malt American Whiskey share a similar label, they have a different bottle shape. Um, right. So you know, adding to their own little personality, it's kind of cool. So how much do you have a, a, a say in like, you know, the, the labeling or the design or the marketing side of things? Uh, well, that's it, kind of the nice thing about working for a publicly traded company is like we have like people that do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I kind of get, uh, um, I just get let loose to focus on the juice inside it. So that's really liberating. So it's for a lot of craft distilleries, they don't have that kind of freedom. So because they need to do all the marketing and they do their own design and all that. So uh, it's really nice to have that freedom. No, that's cool. And I, you know, for myself, and I know you haven't probably experienced this, Brett, but like I've always worked for basically startups my entire career. So, you know, we had that ability to kind of, one of those startups was actually publicly traded. So I, I get, you know, a lot of that. You had to have your board. You had to have your, you know, uh, quarterly uh, earnings reports and all that stuff. But like, right. but we were able, because we were smaller, to to move and be nimble. But at the same time, you know, we had feedback. Like, we, you know, every company I worked for, with the exception of two, have been on 100 or so, you know, employees. And so when you had to make decisions, it wasn't like this big, you know, clunky has to go through 20 million different processes has to be approved by all these people or whatever. It was a, it was a quick thing that could be done. And, you know, a lot of people had a say in it, which was kind of nice, made you feel like part of the company, like you had some ownership in, in some of the things in the Your company. Your opinion matters and stuff. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. No, for sure. And that, that like every, everybody has something to add and I, I, I guarantee that it's, it's a better product than any one person could put out. Yeah. So when you have like multiple inputs, it's like the sum is greater than the, than the parts. Oh, for sure. And yeah. That's what I love about Very it. Very well said. But, but probably not too many sums to, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen type of thing. So that's right. No, that's the other good, good thing. It's like, you know, we've got a board, but they give us free reign to, you know, produce what we want. So that's cool. It's, it's really, it's really great. Yeah, it's like right now I just started a new job in February and, and we're part of a huge, huge company. Um, but we just got acquired in December and so they still treat us like a little startup company. But but we have the financial backing of this humongous company. Um, I don't think I've ever named that company on. I don't think you yeah, have. So I'll, I'll no. just keep it that way. But um, so yeah, so it's really cool. We have this financial backing and, and like development 
uh, happens really quick because of the resources we have from the huge company. But we have like that ability to still stay, you know, nimble and create quick releases and, and do some things. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's, so it's, it still feels like that you have autonomy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's, and that's, we do. That's how I feel. I think. No, that's good. And that, uh, for whatever reason, I think that just makes a job a much better place when you feel like you've got ownership and decisions, when you've got some say in things I, that, for, for me, that always makes me feel more comfortable in a job and make me enjoy it a little bit more because you feel like you have a say. This is this is growing on me. I I think I would have to, you know, keep drinking it. I for one, I'm single malt American whiskey. That's not a thing I'm, you know, super you know, experienced with. Yeah. But same this, same this just has a lot going on. It is very complex. Yeah, I read the back, it said raisins, it said biscuits, it said I mean, like just the listing of the of the of the notes on the back of it, it is complex. Right. I mean, there's ten yeah. things they list on the back of that thing, and it, and it's every time I drink this, it's like I get a little bit something different, which is kind of neat, actually. It's not the same vanilla caramel, you know. Not that there's anything wrong with that. That's why I like bourbon, but but it's actually kind of uh, interesting all the differences I'm getting out of this. Yes, for me, one of the American single malt is one of the most exciting new categories. First of all, there isn't really a, an established guideline for it like there is with you know American rye or American bourbon. So it's kind of wide open right now till the TTB like creates some rules around it. Sure. So there's a whole range of, of stuff out there that small craft producers are, are making, and they're all pretty much fantastic. So, so what? A, so let's talk. About, new product. Let's talk about it a little bit though. Single malt. I mean, are, are we talking like a malted barley, or what are we talking about? Like, what makes yeah, it? It's malted barley and then so it's, it's basically like made like a scotch would be but uh the only difference is like scotch is usually put into used barrels right mm-hmm. so and i think that's a definition that it has to be used barrels for scotch i think you're oh, right sure I, I, I think you're right i think it has to be in like uh it might even be used bourbon barrels right i know a lot of them get shipped over there to scotland yeah so like that's why you can come across like a a twelve year old scotch that's really light in color, yeah, because it's there it's a lot of times the the barrels are really stripped, used. basically, yeah, yeah, but so with the American single malt, like you can put it into a brand new jarred American oak and you know call it American single malt, and it'll take on that flavor a lot faster, so you can get a lot of really good two three year uh Single malts. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, yeah, I know nothing about American single malt whiskey, but what does it say on there? Three years old. Three years old. Yeah. And look how dark it is. I know. That's but that, wild. But you say it's rested in the sherry cast. How? And is that again? That is that sixty days again, or ninety days, or what? No, the, that's been a year in the sherry cast. Okay, I was going to yeah. say because that's there's a lot going on there for that to only be like a sixty day type resting. I mean, that's right. that's. I'm trying to use words here that doesn't sound like I'm not enjoying it because I am enjoying it. It is completely unique to me, though. This is not something I am super comfortable with yet. Yeah, um, I, I would bring this out when I have like friends over. Like, you got to try this. You got to try this. It's you got to try this. It's yeah. different. It's unique. Absolutely. It, by no means am I not enjoying this. It's just I don't know how to wrap my head around it yet, and how to describe my like you said. I you know. 
it took me a good six months to a year probably to start being able to confidently use notes on you know list notes on bourbon or um you know whether it's the tasting notes or the or the the nose and even to to this day i'm still like you getting cherry get, on this yeah you know like you know i'm not 100 percent sure so like this one right here this is like this is completely baffling me like i until you said chocolate and you said uh what was the other thing um fig fig yeah dried fig like as soon as you said that i was like oh and then I, Im- I immediately like considered like fig newtons. I was gonna say I imagine a fig newton. Yeah. So yeah, so and then it was like oh I guess yeah that's actually kind of similar to that. And then I started thinking about dark fruits and you said plum and and mm-hmm. you know so and then I looked at the back and it said like biscuits and and all these things and I'm like <laughs> I didn't biscuit at all. <laughs> you know so like it, it, this is just new to me. This is not something I'm super uh, well versed in. So it's it's right. definitely interesting. I couldn't I couldn't believe how dark it was. That was just crazy. Like that's a dark, dark, you know, rich looking whiskey. It's yeah. It's almost brown. And for a seventy year old barrel to do that, have that much flavor in it, it it man, that blew us away. So So when when sherry is made, how long is sherry kept in the barrel? Like for aging? Uh that can be when I understand, like a really long time. Right, that's what I thought. So that's what and I was like go ahead. So Sherry uh, producers, I think they're the ones that kind of pioneered the Solera technique. If you guys are yeah, 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 where you never so. you never have an empty cask. Basically, it's always just right. adding. Yeah, it's either that or like uh, vinegars did that. Um, hmm. It's that old world, world thing, though. So they they use barrels for years and years and years. So they just become impregnated with like these just deep flavors. Yeah. So. I think Blade and, they Blade and Bow uses the Solera, or at least they used to. I think they were ending that at some point. So, yeah. But for when they first started off, they were using Solera to just continuously potentially have older bourbon mixed in, you know, with their batches. Um, yeah, that's it's a it's an interesting technique, and I I can imagine if you're using like an oak barrel to do that in, it would definitely like almost you know stain or permanently flavor that barrel to some degree. I would think. Um, that's, that's really, that's really interesting. I mean, it's, this is just, this is crazy. Like how much it smells like the Chinese, like I'll have to have marks on bring yeah. over that. The, the, what did you say? Baiju? Baiju. Baiju. Um, I would like to try the two like together or compare the two. Well, I'll tell you what. This smells similar to that. Okay. This and and to be to be fair, I couldn't stand that stuff. It was disgusting, and <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. It's challenging to drink that. It was. <laughs> it was <laughs> like now, Mark. Like Chinese people are raised on it, so it's you know they probably drink it like we drink bourbon, and it tastes yeah. good to them because they're used to it. I'd never had anything like that in my life. So when I smelled this, right. I almost didn't want to drink it. <laughs> because it reminded me of that smell, but the 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 flavor is much different. the The taste profile is much different. Um, this I could drink that stuff, that stuff, uh, you know. And it'll take me probably two or three sittings with this before I move past the the the, the nose of it. There, well, the the recall oh. of the of the Chinese whiskey because that I think oh, that was rough and it was clear. Like it was, I don't know what they age it in or if they age it at all, but it was just, it was not good. I think I remember, so I think I remember seeing him carry that bottle in now that you say it was clear. Yeah. 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 That's, <laughs> that stuff does get aged and it's, they age it in like ceramic pots, I believe. 
So yeah, well, that's probably why it doesn't get any flavor uh, <laughs> or uh, uh, color, I should say, not flavor. Yeah, it, um, it'll 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 like oxidize the same way as just over over time. So yeah, I just that so so like honestly, when I smelled this, it reminded me of that, and I was like, I don't want to drink this. I don't. But then when I started drinking it, you're. It was actually pleasant. Mm-hmm. Uh, there we go. Pleasant. Full, full <laughs> circle. Um, no, it, I, I enjoyed that. It's, it's, I'm still a bourbon guy. I, I enjoyed the bourbon, I think, and the, I think the uh, black labeled rye and then the orange rye was a, a close, a very close third to the black labeled rye to me. Um, I think the orange rye was my favorite. Yeah, and that's fine. For real. It's allowed to be. You know, you don't have Damn to right it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for me, I, the crispness of all of the the first three, that was what was, I think, my favorite part of all these. They all had good flavor profiles. They all had good noses. Um, and it, with the exception of the single uh, malt American whiskey, that nose, because I had already had some similar nose with that uh, Chinese whiskey, um, I didn't want to drink it. But But... But once I had it, it was fine. So, so for me, all all of these were good. Um, I would definitely go buy the Burnside Bourbon if it were available here. Um, I would buy probably both of those ryes too, actually, if I saw them on the shelf. Um, I, I like I said, they they were nice, light, uh, crisp, you know, uh, whiskeys that I could drink at any time of the year, I feel like. And then it, it would be interesting. And I, and I want to do this. I want to take these over to, um, to Jesse, to Jesse and have him see, a, you know, play around with make some, yeah. uh, some, uh, you know, maybe some sort of uh cocktail with these. And if, if I have him do that, I'll send you, Jason, I'll send you over something. Maybe you guys can uh, play around with it on your side too. Yeah, uh, that'd be great. But uh, no, these were these were good. I really, uh, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about um, Eastside. I mean, anything interesting going on there? Like uh, any plans for anything? I, I don't know what COVID's like over in Oregon right now. I know in Ohio, June second, we're lifting our mask mandate, and uh, you know, I think uh, we have actually started really going down in the daily. COVID cases Numbers, yeah. and, right. and deaths are pretty much non-existent now, I think, compared to what they were like a year ago. But um, so do, yeah, We're looking it, at uh, reopening a tasting room, so okay. hopefully, hopefully uh, Portland's got a pretty good like restaurants and bar scene, yep. so yep. it's starting to open up, but only at the like outdoor places. So, and, I mean, there is like limited indoor seating, but like, I think... Uh, People are still a little reticent to go sure. see, go inside, but you know all the outdoor areas are just packed. So yeah, I bet um, that's looking good for us. So I think that's how it was for us. At, at uh, I think anything that had outdoor seating was just completely packed. Whenever we, whenever our restaurants were mm-hmm. able to open back up and have people in again, as opposed to just takeout, that was yeah. that was huge. You know, and people we saw a whole bunch of restaurants expand. I was going to say expand to, outdoor seating. Yeah, expand their outdoor seating, create like little oases out outdoor just to be able to house people. And I, to be honest, I think one of the long-term effects is going to be, I think people are going to want to sit outside more, which is kind of neat. I mean, I, I love, I've always liked finding a patio. Spring, oh, fall, summer. Oh, yeah. I love patio, you know, seating. And our governor did a thing where you could do like alcohol to go now. So say you want your margarita to go, they're allowed to sell that to go 
Um, it does have to be in like a like a closed bottle type thing. No um, straw. No straw. No straws. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they said that that was going to stay because that helped so many businesses. Oh yeah. Especially when things were business, like dine in yeah. closed and it was takeout only. You could order alcohol for takeout, and I think they're going to keep that in place um, just to help some revenue with you know business and stuff. Well, and I think. Yeah, they- yeah, go that ahead. came pretty late to us. Like I think it was December when that finally happened for us, and that was a, a game changer. And just as a consumer, like I, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Because well, I mean, and I think we added it pretty early in the summer last year as a temporary. But then I think they made it permanent around you know November. Definitely, they yeah. extended it. And then uh, we've also added to where they can actually ship. And I think it's more like Drizzly type thing, where it's like Uber Eats type. Uh, liquor deliveries, mm-hmm. um, but it has to be local. So I, I, we still can't order liquor from out of state, but we can order right. liquor from like a, a delivery service and have it delivered like that day type of thing. Um, right. But uh, so that's kind of neat. So that's one step closer to getting rid of our archaic non-shipping state controlled liquor <laughs> issues that we have. But uh, I mean, you know, baby steps, I guess. Right. Yeah. One step at a time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're hoping that our cocktail to go situation stays permanent, but it's I'm great. Not sure, if that's yeah. It's and again, it's like it should come down to what consumers want. Yeah, and you trust that they're going to follow the rules and not yeah. drink it while they're driving. And if they do, then they get in trouble. I mean, that's you, right. you can't be you can't be the goal, you know the gatekeeper to everything. You have to trust right. people to to follow some sort of, you know, rules. I mean, if people want to drink and drive, they'll go to the gas station and get a six pack, right? You know what I mean? Right. Like you're not going to Yeah, you're not going to stop it in that know? sense, right? Yeah, I agree. Or they they'll just a, take their Yeti and fill it with vodka and go. Right. <laughs> Do they have a minimum like food order that you have to buy along with it? I don't think so. A, I'm not sure. I don't know if you can just order like a margarita from Habaneros and 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 take it to go. I've tried. I don't yeah, know. I don't know either. We've always yeah, I like we food order too much. Food, but that's, yeah, we're not alcoholics fine. yet, so <laughs> like food. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we love our food for sure. So, uh, all right. So you guys are you guys are getting ready to open up the tasting room. Do you have anything you know planned for like new uh, products or anything like that? Oh, uh, we got our. So we had a Marionberry whiskey couple years ago that we i saw that on the site so we're uh, we're bringing that back and so marion so, berry is <laughs> which i thought was kind of funny that's actually what a, a local uh berry in in oregon yeah it was a cultivar that was created by oregon state university back in like the 50s i think okay it's uh it's a more flavorful blackberry basically now isn't that also the name of like the old like mayor of dc or something like that <laughs> they got in trouble with like hookers or something like that <laughs> i think it is yeah. Um, so that's why I thought that was funny. I was like, wait a second. And then I read about it and I was like, oh, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, but it's just a berry from Marion County. That's, that's where it was like mainly grown. So, yeah. Okay. That's, I saw that on the site, but I, when I first looked at it, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> um, so, uh, so you're, I don't you're, know how you feel about flavored whiskeys, but uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> to be honest, I, I've had two. I've had one from, uh, uh, Knob Creek that smoked maple bourbon. It was terrible. Oh, I haven't even tried <laughs> but that. But then I had the Traverse City Cherry. That's good. Just had it given to me for my bourbon room. Yeah. And it it's not infused. It's actually like washed over top of cherries. 
which is different, and, and it's actually really good. So I guess the cherries, by the time the process is done, look just absolutely disgusting because the the uh, alcohol, by the time it's Breaks washed them down, down and, oh, it strips yeah. out the flavor. Yeah, yeah but then, um, but Traverse City, it's a Traverse City uh, uh, bourbon, and um, they are well known for their cherries. They have cherry everything up there. Yeah. I've been there several well, that's, times. That's a big product yeah. up there. And so they had to figure out a way to, you know, apply it to their, uh, to their distillery. And so they did a, it's basically like a washed, a cherry washed bourbon is, is about the best way I could describe it. Um, and it's really good. And like working with fruits in alcohol is when you use real fruit, it's pretty rough because uh, the alcohol will gel the pectins oh, yeah. in it. Oh. So, like, uh, when I first started at Eastside, we had a cherry and a marionberry whiskey, but there would just be, like, this these clumps of, of gelled pectin that you could see in the bottle. And it's like, yeah. well, you know, it's made with real fruit, so. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Chemistry's but, uh, fun. We, we worked on changing the process for that, so we got them, like, a, a lot clearer and just, uh, maintain the flavor but uh, make it look great yeah i so i was i i was listening to another podcast traverse city was on when they talked about their process of doing their cherry uh their cherry whiskey and i think they the way they washed it it was like you said they had to figure out a way to make it a little bit you know clearer or less particulars or whatever you want to call it right. um but yeah, I think they got it down to a point where it's not like overpowering cherry it's just a nice you know flavor basically um, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. So is that something that you guys are going to have permanently or just as like a limited release? I think it's just going to be seasonal for now. Seasonal. But, uh, we'll see how it goes. Okay. Uh, there's demand for it. Yeah. Now do you guys do, do you have, uh, any retailers or anything like that that allow you to, uh, ship out of, out of state or anything like that? Uh, name of it. it should be on our website okay side distilling.com <laughs> yeah eastside uh, good plug yeah, i was I gonna i was gonna get there but that's good <laughs> i think you can uh order stuff off there i think it's through high times high times out of california okay yeah well i was just wondering I, because you know a lot of our listeners are in ohio because that's where we're based but we do actually have listeners in oregon we have them in california in fact, we actually have a pretty high number of listeners in California, which actually surprised me. Um, I'm cool with it. Keep listening, Callie. No, I, it was actually kind of cool. Um, and then Washington actually has a decent amount of, of listeners. That could um, be from the Woodenville stuff, too. Could be. But, I mean, we're actually uh, pretty heavy in the Midwest, but we have, uh, and then that's like nothing like west of the Mississippi until you get to like Nevada, uh, California, Oregon, and Washington. Then we have listeners again. It's It's interesting. Um, and then we have a lot in Texas, which is odd too, but, um, so it's, it's pretty cool. So I just wanted to make sure that you guys, you know, could tell people where you could, uh, you know, find your alcohol. Um, so speaking of eastsidedistilling.com, um, you know, Jason, are you on social media or do you usually post through, you know, Instagram or anything like that through, through the distillery or, or where can people find you? I have my own Instagram account. It's called Beer Meets World. Beer Meets World. That's great. I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking I, to two I guys that grew up with Boy Meets World. Right. So that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite shows. Uh, that's funny. Topanga. Topanga. I had the biggest that crush a, on Topanga. Uh, Everyone did. I was just thinking about those those Friday night programming. Like, that was like some of the best 
the TGIF the or whatever. Hour, yeah. yeah, the two-hour block of sitcoms. Like, that was yeah. such a good time for TV. Yeah, well, and I'm a little older, so, like, Thursdays is where it was at for me. But, like, you had your Cheers, you had your, uh, we had a different Norm. world. A different world was outstanding. That was, like, a great show. Cosby Show, all those things were all on Thursday nights. I liked um, the Cosby Show. Yeah, it was good. I mean, like, it was, a, it was a fun little lineup on Thursday. But, like, Cheers and Cosby Show and... uh and a different world were like what I kind of grew up with. And then you went to college and, you know, you had, you know, right in that time, you still had your friends and Seinfeld and all that, but you had your Friday night shows too. And people still actually watched, you know, TV on Fridays and they actually put good <laughs> stuff on Fridays. And now they just don't do that anymore. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting how it's changed. All right. So, uh, thank you, uh, Jason for coming on. Is there anything else that you wanted to, uh, to talk about that you haven't gotten a chance to? Uh, no, I think that's about it. All right. Awesome. Well, I know uh, we love having distillers and, uh, you know, different guests on to talk about, you know, their, uh, you know, I guess art, if you will. Yeah, and the process and, the process. and everything and yeah. the stories behind, behind labels, behind bottle, you know, everything. And just the history of the distilleries and all that stuff. I mean, it's always cool to hear. Um, and then, you know, just the fact that we are in Ohio and, and we don't get to see, you know, a Portland distillery. So it's kind of neat to be able to reach out and talk to people like you guys and, and uh, have you on the show. I So one of the things we always like to do, we're bourbon hunters. You know, we call it a hunt, um, a hunt, a shelf, or a pass. That's how we do our ratings for the most part. Um, for me, I mean, I know we can't get these here in Ohio, <laughs> um, or at least I've never seen them anyway. Um, but uh, for me, I think the, the first three that we tried, I would probably list up there as a hunt because they're all good to me. And I think that uh, because they're not available in Ohio, if I knew that I could go somewhere and grab it, I would probably do that. Um, the American malt whiskey for me, it's probably a pass. I'm glad I have it because I'm going to probably continue drinking it, but it's different and unique enough different to, to what I generally put prefer in my palate that I don't know that I would go out of my way to find it. Um, now, by the time it's empty, that may change. I might, and I you'll might be hunting be, it. Yeah. Like I might be maybe not hunting it, but at least like, Oh, I need to get another one of those next yeah. time I see it. Um, but it's, it's such a unique flavor to me. I don't know what to think of it yet. I, I think I'm going to have to get used to it, but I don't know. What you- I, I'm the same. I would say um, this East side, the rye whiskey, the red label, that one is by far my favorite. Like I can say for me, that one stands out above the rest, which is odd. I, I honestly thought the bourbon one would be my favorite. And um, and like you said, they're all they're all good. I'm not saying that none of them are or that any of them yeah, are yeah. bad. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just putting this one up on a pedestal. Sure, um, which has got to make Jason happy because yeah, that's his. Uh, that's it's, his it's your baby, and I'm not just saying that. But there's for me, it's that viscosity, it's that tongue, yeah. that mouth. Now you feel, love that buttery, that buttery kind of viscosity. I, I yeah. do, and I don't get that out of a rye ever. Um, so that's why I really enjoy that one. I mean, we just need to get more into rye. I think. I think we do. We yeah. talked about doing some rye episodes, and we're going to do yeah, we're rye doing episodes one next week. So that's yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I mean, if you had to, you said the, the orange label is probably your favorite, Jason, or? Yeah. Okay. And sure. then you also like the single malt American whiskey you said was probably yeah, another one. Yeah. Okay. All I'd right. say give that one a, a, a try on a different day. And it may need to um, oxidize and sit for a little bit too, because you know it's it's the neck pour that we were drinking. Yeah, and well, and also we finished it off after trying the other correct. three too. So I, I'll probably uh, try it a couple different ways. I'm probably going to drink it neat a couple more times, see how I like it, add it into a cocktail or two, see what I think of that, and just I'll play around with it, add some ice, add some you know maybe some water, and just see what I think. But and again, I didn't dislike it. It was just it was just different. I don't really know how to quantify it in my brain. Like I, it's just kind right. of a it's a new experience for me. So 
it'll it'll take a few visits and i, I will <laughs> for sure it's not going anywhere i promise yeah, you we'll drink yeah. it i'll be drinking it no there's no doubt about that um but like you said i'll have people over and i'll, I'll say hey try this you gotta what do you try think this, of this? Yeah. yeah so and i'll actually want to have mark over and see what he thinks of it because when he knows oh, that's a good that, idea yeah. yeah so but uh again thank you jason for uh for coming on it's i know we actually talked for almost an hour and a half didn't we so yeah um, but I appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day. And, uh, if you guys get a chance, uh, go to eastsidedistilling.com. I got that right, right? That's correct. And, uh, check out their website and, uh, see if you can have it delivered. Uh, he said on the website, there is a place there where you can try to find, uh, where you can have that delivered to you. Uh, if you are in a state that allows that and you're not archaic like Ohio. Um, but I appreciate everyone joining in. Again, reach out on iTunes. Give us a, uh, a review. Uh, follow us on uh, Instagram at The Bourbon Hunters. And uh, I am uh, Dude Pool. Brett Bryan. And thanks for uh, joining us again for another week. Thank you for joining in for yet another episode of The Bourbon Hunters. If you like what you hear, please leave us a good rating on Apple, Podbean, Google, or wherever you are listening. It definitely helps us to get great guests on our show. And follow us on Instagram and the Facebooks to keep up to date with what is in our glass. As always, sit back, grab a pour, kick up your feet, and enjoy some bourbon. Bourbon.